I'm right. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that does happen, and it's not good. Yeah. I don't agree with this new this new. Uh, um, what do you want to say? Persona. Uh, what's the word when you're really into yourself? Uh, narcissism. I don't like the new narcissism thing where. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's like filming themselves while they're like getting their groceries <laughs> doing something mundane and the cashier is like looking at the person holding the phone and they edit it and be like look at Bay checking me out and then it's just like some girl <laughs> like I'm like dude like seriously just get your groceries <laughs> like, <laughs> get a life man but anyway so there's this girl and she was in like a cafe wearing like a scandalous outfit and um <laughs> she's like yeah hi she's like talking to people like uh-huh. i guess there's people in like a chat talking to her yeah live streaming. and then this older lady's just like you're loud <laughs> and you're not even that pretty to be on a video <laughs> <laughs> she's like i'm not loud i'm not being loud she's like i can hear you all the way over here <laughs> i'm like oh man <laughs> the world the world is hard to change <laughs> When you have people still existing that don't understand the new TikToks and all this stuff. Uh, yeah. The holdouts. <laughs> the what is all a right. TikTok crew? All right. So you guys are going to start. Let's go for it. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And, and welcome, welcome to the, the Houseplants Podcast. Podcast. We're here to talk about... Music. Music. Media. Media. And the mission of Jesus. Jesus. Uh, no. Fun times. It's harder on the internet. Yep. And today we'll be focusing more on that Jesus side of things as opposed to the music and media. Uh, so not, not so much music and media this time around. So. Well, technically, we will be talking about one song. So it's sort of music. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, we'll right. be we'll be doing a song on um, this feast of Stephen, a feast of Stephen. <laughs> also, we got um, bonus episode. It's bound to be done. I'll tell you what, I'm editing it, so it's gonna be done by the time this episode comes out. Oh um, yeah, possibly two bonus episodes, but go check those out. They'll be on our YouTube. Uh, they're a yep. little treat for yep. anybody who just wants to watch like a really long video and Did just you- hear us talk about random stuff. We'll probably put it on our Facebook page too, right? Facebook probably. page, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably link it there. Yeah. So, so being easily I want people to be able to see it. I mean, people yeah. might really have fun with this. So, But it's a yeah. totally a bonus episode. Not going to count as an official um, Houseplants episode. Cool. Um, but we're basically going to play a video game, and we're going to destroy some stuff and talk about <laughs> religion. So, <laughs> I like it. I'm excited. To, yeah. I'm excited yeah. to see it because I don't know. I mean, like at the time I was like, Oh, that's, this is cool. But I don't know if it'll, it'll looking back on it. I wonder how, how funny yeah. we were uh, <laughs> relating ourselves to real governments <laughs> trying yes. to convert the world. So we'll it's, see how that goes. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> not, fun. you know, going to be super high, like production quality. Right, I'm not gonna like spend a ton of time like making sure it sounds as good as our episodes, but mm. um, but it'll yeah. be nice and it'll be video form, so it'll be a nice change up. Should be a lot of good fun. Yeah, cool. So should awesome. we uh, launch into um, a worship song? Doing a little worship. Oh we've yeah. Been, uh, I feel we've been hitting quite a good stride lately with our worship. Um, 
And so, yeah, yeah sure. I'm excited to I'm excited to uh, continue to get the ball rolling on that. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess I'll just say uh, without further ado, here it is.
Jesus walking by For twelve years I've suffered And surely I may die If only I can reach him Touch his garments through the ground Who touched me, she said It was me And knelt upon the ground And trembled Father, we thank you so much again for allowing us to gather and worship you and allowing us to uh, come together and talk about your word. Um, And I thank you so much for that word, um, for the stories of different people's lives that we have preserved there. Um, We know that every single one of those stories is in scripture for a reason. And um, we just ask that you would through your Holy Spirit, um, point us to the truth that you want us to learn and uh, just open us up to receive that today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So, okay. So this kind of is kicking off a series, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we have no idea how long we're going to, we're going to do these or maybe even if we take a break from it at some point and come back to it. But, um, we were talking about different like types of episodes we've done. Um, we've done a series where we take like a topic and handle different aspects of it. Um, we've done like prayer focused episodes where we'll like come back and do more pray praying. Um, yeah. Just kind of come back to that every once in a while. Um, we've done worship focused episodes that all kind of go a little bit together, but we've never just taken a character from the Bible, just a biblical figure and just kind of dissected their story. Uh, Mm -hmm. for what we can learn from it. Yeah. And one of the things I think is important to Zach, just to tag on that is the fact that sometimes 
um, there are these amazing stories from from the scripture that like people just don't know about because they're not super famous. That's true. Like, um, well, we're going to be talking about Stephen tonight. We're talking about Stephen. Yeah. McFerrin. Oh man, I can't stand that guy. Stephen. <laughs> Stephen Foster. You know. <laughs> Camp Town races. Oh wow! <laughs> For you guys, know your tombstone that. reference. <laughs> yeah, um, um, but no. So, um, you know, there's people like Steve. Excuse me. There's people like Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people like um, uh, Elisha, who gets a little less uh, less notoriety. He gets less. Uh, yeah, he's less prominent to most people than Elijah, and yet. Elijah prayed that Elisha would gain uh, twice the spirit that he had able Ooh, to do twice as for much. Double right? portion. Ask for a double portion. That's right. And then God smites him for being selfish and greedy, <laughs> <laughs> which is what some people might think would happen, but that's not what happens. Um, but yeah, so there's all, you know, there's figure, there's figures in the scriptures that are really interesting. And we just thought that we might, uh, highlight some um, because it's cool to it's cool to I mean a lot of people know who Moses is a lot of people know who Jesus is a lot of people know who Paul is a lot of people know you know the first couple disciples from yeah. the Gospels and then maybe one or two more people know who Mary Magdalene is uh, but we often forget that God calls so many very like God calls people for such a unique or specific purpose sometimes and it's really cool to hear how their life affected the grand like story slash plan of God throughout the scripture. So there you go. In that vein, we're going to be talking about um, a disciple who also technically would have been a deacon, Mm -hmm. so to speak. One of the first. One of the first. And um, I want to say – Technically, you could you could sort of make him an apostle, but it depends on like when he joined the church. Well, it yeah, it's your uh, your definition of apostle. Um, it doesn't really yeah. say he was. I don't think. Yeah, 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 most people refer to apostles as those who actually saw the the living yeah. uh, the, the, the risen Christ. Yeah, right. Um, well, that's we don't necessarily have evidence that Stephen did that necessarily. Well, we we don't have we don't have evidence of that, but there are certain things that are interesting that I found out through our through our research. And one mm-hmm. of those things is that Stephen is fairly old, and has been with the church a long time. Like uh, in terms of like the the, he's probably a Greek speaking Jew. We'll get into all of this stuff, but yeah. there is some evidence to show that he might have been around a long time. Mm-hmm. And at this point in Acts Acts six through Acts eight, that's not been so long that he couldn't have also lived during the time of Jesus. Yeah. But, but that's, that's what's that we can't know any of that. Yeah. Like for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, Oh, that, that would be neat. If potential, you know, sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. So guys, who was Steven? What does the Bible tell us about him? Well, the Bible, you know, probably says nothing, but I know he uh, he has a <laughs> holiday, the Feast of Stephen, December twenty sixth. So eat eat hearty. Yes, eat, the, uh, eat at Hardee's. Invite your friend Stephen <laughs> over and explain to him that he is now the waiter for the entire evening. Yeah, and he has <laughs> to go December serve. December twenty sixth. Uh, okay, serve Stephen. Everyone at Hardee's. 
Yeah, my mom really wants you to come over, even though it's not your family. Oh, you sure? Yeah, come on over. Then you get there. And it's like, well, you you will be serving. You will be serving everyone. You will be serving while we focus on uh, the word and scripture. And Happy teaching. Feast of Stephen. No, That's so right. <laughs> so for those who don't know where where Stephen comes into the story, it begins in Acts six, and I mm-hmm. think. Um, I guess what I want to say is for the purpose of this, it might be a good idea for us to just read some of the, I mean, we don't have to yeah. read all of it, but a yeah. good, a good portion. And I would um, say we, we could read most of chapter six and chapter seven. Maybe we could paraphrase the speech, yeah. not that it's not important. Everybody should read his speech in Acts seven at some point. Mm-hmm. I agree. I um, agree. But yeah, Here, so I'll, take, Bob, I'll take that first little bit. If oh, you okay, want. Sure. And then, yeah, Bob can go after I go. So. Um, Acts 6, starting in verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So can, I, 12, can I stop really quick? Yeah, Just yeah, sure. to, to that, that, that one sentence alone, a lot of people There's have asked a lot about. You could like explain there. And so I, we can go over this a little bit more, but I just want to talk about the Hellenists. Yes. Are um, people who are Greek speaking, yeah, but are Jews. There was a lot of people who were Jewish but had adopted the Greek culture because uh, it was very culturally prominent at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, um, there for some reason they started to feel like they were not being their mm-hmm. widows were not being attended to the same as yes. the regular yes. Jews, so and that's some- why there was a dispute. There are some scholars who would say that, uh, that the Hellenic Jews, that they are so Greek-speaking that that gives evidence to the fact that they were Jews born outside of the normal Jewish communities. Hmm, so, for example, right. maybe they were born in in Corinth or in Rome or in Galatia, some of these non-Israeli cities and thus in a non-Israeli culture. They were still culturally Jews but not really living inside of that yeah. culture. So or I, I guess I guess ancestrally they were Jewish, but not living inside the, the, the traditional culture like of uh, uh, Nazareth or or uh, or Jerusalem and all these other uh, is, Israeli territories. Yes. Yeah. And so sorry, Zach, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to no, make that point good. real quick. Yeah. And so go yeah, ahead. So there's sorry. a dispute here. And the question is, what are they going to do about it? So in, uh, we're in verse two now. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait tables. This is what the, uh, (laughs) that's what the, the 12 disciples, the original ones following Jesus around. said. I'm pretty sure I've heard that excuse at church too, from, you know, like the youth pastors like, Oh me, I don't know if I should be waiting tables. Well, (laughs) um, we can get into that a little bit more because I have an interesting take there. But brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. So basically um, a bunch of the the kind of underlings in the ministry came to the head 12 and asked them to solve a dispute, and they kind of put it back on them. They said, well, you choose some people from among you and try and put the responsibility on them. Um, right. But some you know what? I, I think that's somewhat – I mean it's it's easy to say, well, yeah, that was a wise thing to do because it's scripture, and it, yeah. gives us, it gives us the character we're talking about today. But from, a, from, from an administrative perspective, 
I think there's a lot of a, a lot of valuable knowledge there, and the idea of yeah. look, 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 you've got these set uh, this community, you've got these people groups that we know nothing about. Yeah, delegate. Pick Why don't you guys up. delegate within your own community? Because some you people know how to be best in charge to, to oversee this. Yeah, because you know these people. You yeah. know how best to work with them. You know their actual needs. I mean, we could get somebody, but that doesn't mean they're going to do a yeah. good job of it. You guys know what the needs actually are. So, right. so yeah. choose, choose from among yourselves. I, I, it, I, I think there's a lot of good. It's a chance there. for some people to come up and gain some ownership because at the time, oh, there was the, the only leaders in the ministry were just the 12 disciples. And there was like a bunch of other people that were a part of the ministry. They hadn't like, you know, made ministry leaders yet. Oh, um, yeah. So very important kind of to realize that. But what they say okay. is they say we will turn this responsibility over to them. And will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Uh, so the seven were chosen and they took them to the 12 apostles who kind of commissioned them with a prayer. Mm-hmm. Verse seven says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and the large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Mm-hmm. So Stephen's mentioned. And then Philip is also mentioned in That's true. Nicholas. One of them. Um, so of the people that were mentioned, uh, Philip is also very important in Acts. And then uh, mm-hmm. Nicholas, I believe a lot of the um, the, the Catholic and the Orthodox um, have a lot to say about Nicholas as well because he's like a saint. Um, and so there's, you know. So it's funny because this story is actually, this story with of Stephen actually introduces a lot of like, characters yeah, that true. are important later in acts in just mm-hmm. this one part yeah we'll including see, we'll see a few more here in a sec yeah i was gonna say yeah. all right Bob, okay. you should pick it up sure and so we're starting we'll come to pick it back up in verse eight it says stephen full of grace and power did great wonders and signs among the people then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the uh, of the freedmen uh, as it was called uh Sirene, uh uh, Alexandrians and others of those from Sicilia and Asia stood up and argued with Stephen, for they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, this man never stops saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like uh, was, was like the face of an angel. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff to unpack with just that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's really interesting is a fun phrase I like to hear from memes is like Satan twisting scripture before it was cool, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So these, these people um, are hearing 
the truth and the wisdom that is Holy Spirit led coming from Stephen. And one of the things too, I I think that we maybe look over, uh, like we, we kind of uh, overlook a little bit about um, what we just heard in, in uh, six is that these seven were picked and of the seven that were picked, I remember reading somewhere like that there was an exorbitant number of disciples at this point. Like there was a lot of mm-hmm. disciples. Oh, sure. I think there were like several thousands, maybe like tens of thousands well, of disciples in this, well, yeah, in yeah. this area uh, at yeah. this time. I, I mean, even in Acts chapter one, we had uh, just from Peter's sermon with thousands were saved that day alone. Right. Um, and so and- they're, they're not just believers. They are disciples. Right. So, but sure, sure. of those, they pick these very important few. And I, what I want to say about Stephen already that we know is that he is very, very wise and has been trusted to yeah. like spread the gospel by, mm-hmm. by the apostles that are there. And mm-hmm. so he's a very learned guy from the, from the beginning. And the fact that these newer, I guess you would say like kind of outside believers, like uh, people mm-hmm. who are trying to dispute with him can't dispute with him. And so one of the things that a lot of people have said about Stephen even at this point is that he is really good at apologetics, like being able to like defend uh, his position well and like defend yeah. his faith and giving defense for the faith that he has. Mm-hmm. Because he was, scripture. he was chosen as a servant. Right. You know, but he also very has like, you know, a very great gift for defending the faith and like explaining it. And so what I think is interesting is that we've come back to this theme once again that we've stumbled onto so many times, which is that at some point in the scriptures, somebody tries to twist the truth of God's word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And someone steps up in defense of God's word. And because the person who is trying to twist it doesn't win, they just resort to bad stuff. That's right. And so what what we've seen is – what we've seen is – so, in so a way, we've seen saying, kind of like, what is it? I'm sorry. No, I, I just find this interesting, this idea of, so if you don't get your way, you make the other guys look bad and lie about them. Um, I I, I just, I, this just seems so hard. I don't ever really see this much in, like, in our leadership or <laughs> yeah. governments or anything like that ever, ever seem to happen. So so this it just feels like a very co- foreign concept, this idea of just trying to just uh, degrade the other side and make them look bad without actually looking at the facts. I just it just seems so weird to me. I wanted to make a uh, I wanted to make a parallel uh, sort of connection between Stephen's situation in six and Jesus. And I think if you really look at it, there are so many similarities. So a lot of people compare Jesus to Jonah, like Jonah, Jesus references Jonah and all of that. Mm -hmm. But in this, what you're seeing is you're seeing a man who um, has the Holy Spirit. He, he represents Christ. Mm -hmm. He, he is constantly questioned yeah, and always is able to. Yeah, he like, was he was persecuted just like Jesus was. That's right, and, and so had to stand before like <laughs> accusers just like Jesus did. And then, just yeah. like Jesus, whenever the Pharisees and Sadducees asked him for answers, that Jesus would hit them with some truth nuggets, and they didn't like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so eventually, 
they sort of like manipulate the situation and get Rome involved and Rome kind of takes care of Jesus, Mm -hmm. but doesn't fully take care of him. And I, as we're going to see in seven, I think that might be a big reason why he, he sees Jesus. And, you know, I think as we'll see, he also responds by like praying for his enemies. That's exactly right. Okay. So I'll read a little bit of seven, but then I'm going to just kind of go through because this is a very long speech he's about to give. So I'll just paraphrase, but he, but so in seven, it starts with, and the high priest said, are these things? So question mark. So the high priest I'm assuming are the Pharisees now. Because the ruling class in charge yeah. of right. you know, oh, yeah. yes. the Jewish temple. Because it doesn't say the apostles asked this. I don't think right. the no, no, apostles no, no, no. would have accused him of this. No, no. This is most certainly that the, the accusers in the synagogues. This is those of the, That's tradi- right. more, more the traditional Jewish faith. So the, the high priests are, of course, those same people that may may have condemned Jesus. That did most certainly condemn him. Yeah. yeah. And um, <clears throat> I'm not saying that this particular guy is the same guy, but I have to assume that he's probably part of the same thing. Because also in Acts, Peter... Yeah, we're, we're still in Jerusalem, uh, so yeah. Also in Acts, Peter calls them out for that, and they... Mm-hmm. they they don't want to hear that either. Nobody wants to hear the truth at this time. In, fa- yeah. in fact, it is it is so apparent they don't want to hear the truth. They're willing yeah. to kill you. The truth is really, is really pesky, and uh, yeah. we don't want that getting out. So. so it says, and the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared and then he goes through literally the entire history. He starts with Israel. Abraham, doesn't he? Yeah. He starts with Abraham and comes all the way through to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he speaks about Abraham. He speaks about Moses. About Joseph. And he speaks about Joseph. So let me give you a few just footnotes here. He talks about Abraham. And he goes through Abraham. And he talks about how Abraham represented, and, you know, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, God called said him that out. his offspring would be sojourns in the land. And then, I mean, he, this is why I believe so wholeheartedly that he was such a learned man. Either yeah, the Holy Spirit too, because he's telling, he's, he's talking to the high priests at this point. He's telling them what they should know. Yes. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, like that's what's but, interesting too, because one of the reasons, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but one of the reasons why Stephen was picked, a lot of people uh, guess is because Stephen could speak Greek. Or yeah. a lot of people believe that, and that's one of the reasons he was p- uh, picked to, to to serve the Greek mm-hmm. uh, widows and stuff. And so, um, anyway, anyway, uh, it talks about Isaac, it talks about Jacob, yeah. it talks about the twelve patriarchs, it talks about Joseph, um, and it talks about Moses and the Pharaoh and all of that happened with that. It talks about um, Egypt and how God's, you know. Uh, God is uh, bringing them all through there and how Moses was born and, uh, and, you know, after 40 years and all of this quarreling and, and he goes through the entire thing mm-hmm. and he gets to the end and he said, um, he says something that really just, they just do, they get very upset at the last thing that he mentions because it, he, he kind of goes through the thing with Moses. Then he talks about how um, the, it's how the Israelites like complained. So, 
and right. they were hard of heart and stiff necked. He says, "Yes, yeah." He says, "You're stiff necked people, people, uncircumcised in heart and ear." I'm going to read this whole part, starting in yeah. verse 51 of yeah. Uh, yeah. chapter yeah. seven. He says, yes. "You stiff necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit." And so, I believe what's interesting is that he is kind of going through chronologically all the times that the people of Israel resisted the Holy Spirit. Um, and that, and, and that God is always trying to seek after them and they keep resisting. And he's, he's kind of pointing the finger at them and saying like the, the, the thing that's been happening for the last couple thousand years is happening now. And he says, as your fathers did, so do you, which of these, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they (laughs) killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Wah! I would love to see this in like a show or movie thing where he says, and did not keep it. And they're like, no, like the music swells up. Very no. epic moment. So he is, he is laying it. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z the high priest goes super saiyan <laughs> you will feel the horror high priest <laughs> alright so um, <laughs> so he he basically lays it down and says here, here is my point that for the entirety of our history there have been those of you who have resisted the Holy Spirit and, and resisted mm-hmm. the father and have persecuted the ones who are speaking the truth and you have killed them, including mm-hmm. Jesus and the law, the law of Moses and the, the, the law of, of the history of our people had been passed down by God to the angels, to you, yes. and you aren't keeping it. And no. at that point they're like, that's too much truth. You're yeah. dead. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, no, I find this particular passage specifically to be so interesting, it's a, mainly because of how accusatory it is. Mm. Um, and specifically, he points out the fact you're the ones who killed Jesus. You, I mean, you're you keep doing this over and over, and you're the one. Who, and and and, and I don't, there, there's part of me that just it remembers back in the early 2000s when the Passion of the Christ first aired. Yeah, came to yeah. theaters with uh, you know Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson uh, uh, directed that one, and mm-hmm. um, and just talking about the, the the just the death, just that that single, just a few days of the the actual crucifixion and eventual resurrection of Jesus, and uh, and there was a lot of controversy that stirred up over it because the film portrayed the Jews as being the ones who per, who end up killing Jesus. Now, anyone right. who actually saw this would recognize that the film very much holds. I mean, I mean, it does a little bit of you know some uh, you know fictional backstory, you know, a lot of suppositions, you know, a, a, a lot a lot of things that aren't necessarily one hundred percent scripture. But the general story of Jesus is crucified. You know, he comes before Pilate. You know, give us Barabbas. You know, uh, then the crucifixion of Jesus, the high priest being the ones who end up. Uh, who ends up being the ones in charge and riling up the crowd? That's all biblical. Yeah, he didn't make it. You know, you know, it's 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 in scriptures, and yet there was so, so much controversy yeah. stirred up with the fact that the film portrayed the Jews as being the one who killed Jesus, just I as think, Stephen points yeah. out. 
You're the ones who killed him. And it's because of these accusatory statements, these mm-hmm. accusatory statements that they go and they turn on him heavily at this point. So this yeah. uh, like little speech makes me think of kind of our, our tendency as Christians today in the modern world, especially in America. Um, we can be so lame sometimes when it comes to not just like speaking the truth out. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're like well, afraid. Right. I mean, so many of us are afraid because people really do get offended at a lot of things that you might say as a Christian. And, you know, I'm not saying a lot of people have, you know, political opinions and things that they share on Facebook. Um, But yet you won't share like the gospel, (laughs) you know, and it's like when it comes to people being offended, like if the gospel is the truth of God, it's the power of God to save, you know, it's worth it. <laughs> and so I'm glad that Stephen understood that a lot of us don't. A lot of the people that stood and, and stood true and spoke the truth mm-hmm. in the scriptures were persecuted. Yeah. Um, w- one of the examples of this is actually Elijah who is like, Jezebel, you are doing wrong girl. And guess what? God is going to get you and you might get killed by a bunch of dogs or something in the street. And she's like, kill him. And he like runs off. Yeah. I think it's funny that he ran away. Don't want to hear the truth. That's right. And and, and, and the thing is he opens this, this, this section with you stiff necked and uh, stiff necked people uncircumcised in the heart. You know, he chose those words. Those are not just random words that came to him. Those were highly intentional these yeah. are the words that were given in Deuteronomy as well yes. towards the people of Israel. These are high priests. They would have very much heard that. Actually, because it's so early in the Old Testament, it, it was quite common for children, at, uh, Jewish children, to have the first five books memorized. No matter how uneducated yeah. you were, everyone knew the first five books pretty much by heart. And so for him, so when he used these words, they all knew exactly oh, yeah. what he was saying. Yeah. They, the entire culture, they all knew exactly that this is coming from Deuteronomy and the following books and the same words that other prophets had used. This was, you know, this was very cultural and very, he couldn't have chosen harsher words pretty much. Right. Um. So, okay. We have gotten to the very, very end here. Well, almost the end. So I'm just going to let you, I'm just going to kind of finish out the story here so we can talk about some of the other things. But essentially they were so upset of what they, what he said, it describes that they are like grinding their teeth at him and like snarling and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and it says, as we remember from the end of six, that he looked like an angel at this moment as he spoke his face, he had the face of an angel, but he says transfigured in some capacity. But it says right as they were growling and like enraged with him, it says full of the Holy Spirit. He gazed into heaven itself and saw the God of glory and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Mm -hmm. But they cried out. So this reminds me so much of what happens later in Acts when the Pharisees scream because they keep saying the name Jesus and they don't want to hear it. And they're like, no, don't say it. So this is one of the first times when they're like really called out. And so later 
when I guess Peter is like told by the Pharisees never to say Jesus and he keeps saying it and then they throw him in jail and then he comes back out and he says it again. And they, it, it's they not necessarily in. even saying the name of Jesus. The thing is, is it's not the, the name specifically. It's what the name it's, represents to them. As yeah. It's the truth. It's, it's the Holy Spirit being poured out. Yeah. From, from, right. the Jewish, from, but from the traditional Jewish perspective, it represents blasphemy. Which well, would, it's because you're speaking out. You're you're saying that yeah. they're wrong, right? Right. It, yeah. it would, yes, it, they, they, they view this. It's the same reason why they crucified Jesus was because they believe him to be blasphemous. Yeah. He claimed to be God in the flesh. How dare you claim that God right. could even be flesh? Um, and, and their and, power, <laughs> their power as like religious leaders, is also tied yeah. up in yeah. um, their so, hope so, that he's not who he says he is. Yeah. So, 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 so them covering their ears was them trying to shield themselves from what they viewed as blasphemous speech. So there is a situation I want to bring up, and I know this is like probably not the best reference, uh-huh. um, but there's a, that show, that reality TV show that was very popular oh, no. like 10, 20 years ago called Sister Wives. <laughs> and in this show, I, I was always so angry whenever I watched it, but in the show, the one husband, the the Cody husband guy takes his first wife, Mary to like an anniversary dinner and tells her that he has like a new wife that he has found. And he is going to like ask her to marry him. And the first wife, the one he married first, whose name is Mary Mm -hmm. like describes that, like he has been sort of like, I guess cruising the ladies and maybe that's not like not good anymore. And that he needs to sort of be devoted to who he has and not look around. So then it goes to him. To be clear, this this is a Mormon couple. Yes, it is. It is. But but here is the line that me and Jessica always remembered. And I was just like seething through my teeth about this. And it reminds me of the Pharisees. So I'm going to say it now. He says, she's looking at me and she's telling me that what I'm doing is wrong. And that's not okay. <laughs> like, like she's like, he's like, she's insinuating that what I'm doing is wrong. And that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I, you know, I you're not ever that, wrong. Yeah. I remember watching that episode too. I think me and you have talked about it before. Yeah. It's so funny. Like the, that first wife or whatever, she like reveals kind of like the, uh, almost kind of like what's hidden underneath in that kind of situation. Yeah. Like, right. Like you kind of like, security, you kinda like know that it's wrong. <laughs> right. They feel that yeah. it's wrong, but they yeah. kind of keep up the facade of Mormonism. I'm like, sorry to say for yeah. anybody who's a Mormon listening, but uh, yeah. th- they, they do that. And yeah. he is called out and, and it's like, maybe this behavior of like cruising ladies when you already have three wives is like, right. is maybe not the thing. Yeah. And he's like, taking it back. Like what? You're telling me that, that I'm wrong? No, never. Yeah. And so to me, that's – sorry, to take a break full circle here, this is why I was saying this because when Stephen calls these people out, even though he is not saying anything blasphemous at all, they're like, you're, what you're saying is you're telling me that we're wrong and that's not okay. So we're going to kill you. We're going to stone you now. So, of course, the tale is not very happy ending, uh, but um, after he sees Jesus and God in heaven, they cast him out of the city and they stone him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And we're going to find out that Saul is actually Saul, Saul. 
who becomes Paul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which is another reason. Another why thing that Jesus said. It's a big connection yeah. to him because he he even says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's Where very Jesus much says, the um, book of John stuff. I mean, like, forgive you know, them. Forgive so they them. Know they don't they, know what they're doing. What they're doing. And so yeah. when, and it says it in a nice way, but we know what this means. And in my Bible, anyway, it's in the ESV, it says, and when he had said this, he fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, that's well, sad. Yes. It's, which yeah, is that's the, the literal biblical translation, way. I think, of what it says. Yes, so so there's just a little, there's a little footnote in eight that it talks about, um, Saul approving of the execution. So yes. he was sort of the the law keeper in a way, and he would go and like kind of get people in trouble if they yeah. tried to do certain things against the high priest. And he would he would sort of um you know be like, oh, oh you're condemned. I I have the uh, authority to do this. Mm-hmm. And so right when that happens, though there's this big persecution against the church in mm-hmm. Jerusalem and they were all scattered because yes. Yes. of what happened. Yes. So Stephen, it, it, that, that whole situation impacted the church a lot. Yeah, they were spread out after that. And development, it says development buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But mm-hmm. Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So, mm-hmm. Yep. They are they are uh, so saddened that this this clearly godly man who only all he ever did was stand for truth, and he was killed. Yeah. And there was and again, just like Jesus, they had that just that. Uh, of course, Stephen does not come back to life. Uh, he's not resurrected like Jesus. But uh, there's all of all of the uh, going through the motions. Uh, it feels eerily similar to that of Jesus to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There is the the theologian. There's a North African theologian. Uh, I think it's. I'm trying to. Pro- I'm going to try to pronounce his name properly. Okay. It's Tertullian, um, and he points yeah. out that the uh, the blood of Christians is the seed of the church's growth. It is the scattering yeah. through the blood of Christians uh, mm. that actually causes the, gro- the 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 growth of the church to truly take place all throughout the Roman Empire. Right. So, That's true. And yeah, it, that happens quite a bit. The, 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 I think what he's trying to get at is the idea that if it was not for the scattering, there's a strong probability the church would not have exploded the same way that we see throughout the rest of Acts. Yeah. Uh, and right, because the, the New Testament period, because, yeah, because it, it, it takes it takes this level of persecution to get people to leave Jerusalem and actually and, and thus spread the word elsewhere. Right. So, um. So right after this, and I'm not going to go through it, but right after this, like Bob said, the scattering of those disciples, of those, and one of them being Philip, um, mm-hmm. he he ends up spreading the gospel, preaching the word. Uh, you see many, many people that yeah. are very prominent in the church yeah. go on to Samaria. spread the gospel throughout a lot of places, including yeah. uh, Samaria, uh, through Ethiopia. Um, I mean, yeah. So th- that's that's what we know about Stephen in the scriptures. That's what we know about him based on what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. So I think now is a good time for us to yep. go into and, some of the stuff we can conclude about him yes. well, that for, isn't in the Bible. Yes, but for, for, for those who are, who are unaware, his death is believed to be the very first martyrdom uh, yeah. for the Christian faith, which is why uh, it, it, it is kept so He was the example. Him. So not only was he chosen as yeah. the first seven of the uh what became known as deacons 
Um, he was also the example of, of a martyr in which there was many, many more in the time of scripture and many, many more after and since and up to this day. So, so here's something that's the, the, just a few things I want to talk about. We can go through bullet points, but, um, his speech indicates a lot of how learned a person he was. Oh, absolutely. Um, Because he's not, he's not just hitting the bullet points. He's explaining the implication of those bullet points in his speech. So he's talking about what God was doing with Abraham, what God was doing with the Mm -hmm. Pharaoh and with Moses and what God was, he even explains the whole idea of how the, how God used Solomon to build the house, but that yet God doesn't dwell in the house made by hands. Yeah. And so he had, he had so many references, so many scripture references. (laughs) And so you've got it's basically a, you've a theological got a treatise, you know, that he can right. Yeah. So he, so, so he interpreted the scripture. Some yeah. say that in all of the Bible, this is the most like clear and concise and accurate account of the history of Israel up until this point. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, clearly you could just read the whole Bible starting, you know, with the old Testament and get, yeah. get, this in much greater detail is very concise version of it in one speech that explains it really, really well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so one of the things I think we can conclude from that is he was at least with the, with the apostles, with the Mm -hmm. early church for some time. Now, uh, does that mean that he knew he was around when Jesus was around? I don't know that for sure, but I don't think unless, unless we're we're dealing with like a Paul situation, where he suddenly just comes into all this knowledge about, you know, well, I mean, he, he was, well, fil- we know he was filled himself. with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, we he, know he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so he might like some say sure. have been taught by the Holy Spirit, but, but I think that the, the detail orientedness of his apologetics and the way that he is able to articulate his defenses of, well, of he, how his he defenses of Jesus were all, um, all from a Jewish perspective, you know, it's all yeah, that's right. things that he should have known from uh, studying the scriptures. And, and, and so, and right. Keep in mind that even Paul did not just jump straight in right away. He, yeah, he took spent, three years. Yeah. He spent yeah, a lot of time specifically with Peter and going through and uh, recompiling his faith and figuring out how it all actually fits together through the perspective, through lens of Jesus Christ. Come on, Bob. Everybody knows that Paul's better than Peter because of that one scripture. <laughs> What's that one again? I'm trying Paul, to remember the exact. Paul was able to oppose Peter to his face because Peter yeah, was supposed to be Put like, listen, you're wrong here. And Peter was like, well, uh, I guess I am. <laughs> so, but, no, but, but so, so but, but the, the, that is to say that uh, we don't really have accounts of really anybody who just happens to come across this and just, just knows right off the bat. Yeah. And once again, you're right, Colin, absolutely right in the fact that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It very well could have been purely Holy Spirit speaking through him and not even his own words. That is quite yeah. possible. But we don't really have account we, we don't really have evidence to to support that hundred percent that it was not right. his his previous knowledge, his is yeah. what he had learned through the apostles. I think that I think that the Holy Spirit is definitely at work in his speech. I'm not saying oh, that no doubt about that. But yeah. I believe that it is also I believe his speech is bolstered by his his vast knowledge. Um mm-hmm. and I think that that was one of the main reasons why he was chosen as a deacon for this situation. Absolutely. I think the yeah. fact that we read in verse seven of, of chapter six, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem 
uh, as a result of their work with, mm-hmm. um, uh, it even says that yeah. in that verse, it says many of the great, uh, many of the priests became obedient to the yeah. faith. So he was even able to convince the yeah. priests. Yeah. So, and, and then it says Stephen full of grace and power, full of grace mm-hmm. and power was, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So here's what we have to, we have to know that he was like the Holy spirit had was, was working on him, which yeah. is why I believe that it might indicate. Now this is, this is something I've also read that other people try and try and deduce about mm-hmm. him, that he might've been there on the day of Pentecost. Cause he was which filled is why, with the spirit, which is why the Holy spirit might've been so strong. It does use him. that now, same term, right? Cause it says find seven among you who are filled with the Holy spirit. Um, and that's what it says in acts two, it says all were filled with the Holy spirit. So it's possible. So so that is an interesting type of thing that I thought about Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that, um, I think that most people agree on this, uh, having not known a lot about Stephen, but they, but they, a lot of the reason this, this is the thing people are trying to deduce why these particular guys were chosen for this specific, specific task. And so I think a lot of people agree, uh, you know, uh, scholars and stuff agree that these seven at least were somewhat familiar with Greek language mm-hmm. because the, the the dispute was over Greek language, like the Greek speaking Jews and their yeah. widows. Yeah. And so we so one of the things I think we could probably deduce, which we don't know for sure, but mm-hmm. we can probably deduce is that he was Greek speaking because yeah. when mm-hmm. he is giving his defenses, he is probably speaking them in Greek because the next was written in greek so right and so um so um i this is a big stretch but i put it on here just because they also a lot of scholars also say that stephen was was maybe one of the oldest disciples of this time yeah like in the group of their people he was fairly old philip wasn't as old which is why he goes on for quite a while um but uh um so would he have been alive and possibly around Jesus before Jesus's crucifixion? It's possible. I, I, there were a lot of people following Jesus around. So, yeah. And do we know, like, I, oh, I yeah. can't, I, I don't, I didn't write this down, but Zach, would you know by Acts, by Acts chapter six, how much time do you, do you would you assume has passed since Jesus? I'm not ascension? sure, but it was okay. before the Roman army came in and, conquered jerusalem and i know that was in 70 or 71 a.d oh yeah I, I, so I, less than 40 years yes i i, I, okay. I think i think this is like within the first year within the first year yeah okay yes so I, uh, so okay go ahead i'm sorry yeah i i very well could be off on that but my, my understanding of the timeline is that is that this is with months if not if not within i mean i might a, very, it a, a relatively short period a very relatively short period of time i know that the day of pentecost happens only days after jesus ascension Am exactly I wrong that? that's right exactly. yeah and so then peter and so then the events leading from acts two all the way to Acts six are pretty chronological and they mm-hmm. don't really talk about like big swaths of time as far as I could tell. I mean, uh, I, I didn't probably, I'm, I'm, we're I'm probably sure talking weeks months, of, weeks, months, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure there was weeks and months between many of these situations, but, but yeah, but I, 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 I want to say that um, Stephen happens with what we see happen with Stephen occurs within the first, within, yeah. within the first year, maybe upwards of two years, but I want to say, like, if we want to be, time. that makes sense to me. 
if we want to really like push it and say like what would probably i mean maybe it's like within the first 10 years or something because it yeah. says in verse no more six, than that for sure it says in chapter six sure. says now in these days when the disciples yeah, were increasing yeah. in number yeah it was now, like right after pentecost right so so um so yeah so yeah. i believe if stephen was a learned man and if stephen was older and stephen was so filled with the Holy Spirit that it might potentially be that he was there at the day of Pentecost. Then we have to at least assume that he might have even been at the crucifixion. He, it's possible uh, for sure. I think if he's a disciple, but not a apostle or of any note or anything, he's definitely not as important as someone like um, Matthias, who they pick to be the new twelfth disciple. I'm sorry, the new twelfth uh, apostle. What's his mm. name? Uh, not Matthias. Am I saying that right? Let the uh, put Barabbas and Justice. Oh yeah, Matthias. That's right. Isn't Matthias mm-hmm. the yeah the lots fell on Matthias? Yeah. So they have these three guys that at the time were like were there with Jesus and stuff. So we can at least say maybe Stephen wasn't important enough to be called in that way, mm-hmm. but he was definitely a person of, of of strong Holy Spirit and power. It says he's full of grace and power. So and and, and obviously ha- happy to serve in the sense that mm-hmm. what he was doing. Uh, mm. He was doing so well; it was being noticed heavily. Right. Um. So, so, so these are these are a few extra things I've just tacked on here because these are these are funny little extra things. Uh. So the feast of Stephen, which is December twenty sixth, that all that all came about in a in a very funny way. Um. If you're familiar with what the feast of Stephen is, yeah. yeah, yeah to, to tell us what what is the feast of Stephen. I, okay, I, obviously, so, it's a holiday with primarily within the Catholic Church. But what, tell us a little more about it. How did it come about? So, okay, so the feast of Stephen, of course, <laughs> feast as we know, you know, that's implied in Stephen's story because he served food. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it, it's it's so it's 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 noted Saint Stephen's Day or mm-hmm. the feast of Stephen. We hear it. We right. hear it in the lyrics of the song "Good King Whistlesloss." Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, because he, you know, it's a uh, do 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 on this feast of Stephen. They're talking about like the day, um, but um, it's a Christian uh, Christian saint's day to commemorate Saint Stephen, the first Christian martyr of or proto martyr. They say proto martyr, which is a very interesting word. Yeah. If you want yeah, to know heard that one, a proto martyr uh, is actually the first is the first Christian martyr whenever uh, in Catholic faith or sometimes when they're like sort of giving names to things, they put proto in front as a way of saying yeah. like the first, that the makes first sense because it's Latin. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it, okay. Yeah. The word sense. proto martyr in, in, in the Greek means first martyr. <laughs> it's in a way. Okay. Yeah. So fair enough. So uh, celebrated on December 26th in Western Christianity and 27 calendar. Oh wait. And 27 calendar used in secular context. Okay. In the Latin Christian uh, denomination, St. Stephen's Day marks the second day of Christ mass died? Christmas died? Oh, Christmas tide. Yeah. Christmas. Christmas. Oh, Christmas tide. Christ mass died. Christ was died. Christmas tide. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, the second day of like celebrating Christmas for some. Yes. Now, so, um, as part of the twelve days of Christmas, in in a way, in a way, um, it's yeah, yeah no, it's the twelve days of Christmas, uh, yeah. known as the twelve tide. Why did I put tide on stuff? Um, so anyway, yes, it would be the second day. So they were obsessed with the ocean. 
<laughs> um, yeah, that's right. It's Christmas tide. Um, so, um, all these different countries celebrated a little differently in their like culture. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, Ireland, Wales, uh, Catalonia, uh, Bel- Lyric Islands, and the uh, Valencian country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, so essentially, it's just it's just to celebrate him as yeah. a saint. Uh, how, he, how, he, how is it traditionally celebrated in most, uh, let's say, Western Catholic based cultures? Okay, so from from my understanding, hold on. Uh, one second. So it says in, um, so it's, again, it's not really celebrated in, in, in America, but in Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, the day is one of nine official public holidays. So they actually Aye. celebrate it like a, like a holiday. holiday. Aye, laddie. Its name is sometimes shortened to Stephen's Day, particularly in informal context. In Irish, it's called La, ooh, in Gaelic, this is fun, La Fille Strophine or La Androilen, hmm. and uh, meaning the Ren Day. Um, is an Irish celebration held on 26th of December, St. Uh, Stephen's Day. Um, the, tra- the tradition consists of hunting a wren and putting it on top of the decorated pole. So when when used in this context, wren is often pronounced ran. Uh, this name alludes to several legends. So it's kind of like what we talked about when we talked about the um, like the druidic kind of Celtic uh, mixing of of Catholic stuff. Yeah. Okay. So they've they've kind of made it a day where um, they celebrate. You know, so they celebrate St. Stephen, but they also do it by like doing like a hunt for a wren and then they uh, yeah. they, they do like a feast. And it's pronounced and it's, ran. Well, it's spelled W-R-E-N, but but they pronounce it R-A-N. So, well, so if the wren got away, would it sing? And I ran. <laughs> I ran, ran so, so far, far away. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's part of the flock of seagulls. Um, That's what he joined and became. <laughs> uh, so in Wales, they kind of stopped celebrating it, but it used to be a Welsh custom uh, where they would like bleed the livestock and things wow. like that. It, it's a lot of these countries seem to use it as a, as a sort of a celebratory thing with food. Yeah. Um, where they either do a That's hunt interesting. or. So it's, so know. it's a feast and it's celebrated with food, but it sounds like with like bleeding of lambs and stuff, it's still acknowledging that. Uh, he was a martyr, right? Yes, yes. Well, he's a martyr. He's a proto-martyr. He's the first martyr, but also he's like very much a um, representation of a lot of stuff in Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. Um, It says, believe it or not, and he's uh, St. Stephen is the patron saint of Serbia. And St. Stephen's Day falls on the 9th of January because of the yeah. Serbian Orthodox church. Yeah. Some of them have um, different calendars. Yeah. This day yeah. is not a public holiday, but it is, they do consider him the uh, patron patron saint. Um, yeah. That's so yeah, a lot of countries have different patron saints to you. Uh, and so in like a lot of it, what's interesting is a lot of it, uh, 
Oh, the best known tradition linked to Stephen's Day in Finland is the Ride of Stephen's Day, in which refers to a sleigh with sleigh ride with horses. These well, merry <laughs> rides, all uh, the village's streets contrast to the silent and pious mood of the preceding Christmas days. Another huh. old tradition with was parades with singers and people dressed in Christmas suits. Um, and then in Bulgaria, um, celebrates. Uh, it's also called. Stefanov Den in Bulgaria. And on the third day after Christmas, December 27th, instead of December 26th, um, there's just, they all have different traditions, but it's very interesting because they are kind of celebrating him as a martyr. And I, again, I think it sort of interestingly links back to Jesus because we have Jesus who was clearly a Messiah martyr. Um, Then we have Stephen who is a saint who, I think in some ways very much emulated him. Now I want to talk about another thing because this is really fun. Um, So I talked about um, some of the places where they celebrate uh, St. Stephen's day or uh, feast of Stephen. Mm -hmm. Now, even though on the Wikipedia, when it talks about the different celebrations of that holiday, um, it doesn't mention this country uh, of Hungary. Now, in Hungary, believe it or not, and I've looked this up, and from all accounts, it seems to be the the genuine article. It is the mummified, they hold in a very holy, like, caged thing in the church. The the mummified, holy right fist of Stephen. (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> when believe it or be not interesting if true so well yeah. so they hold they they call it the holy right mm-hmm. um so um and on august 26th every year they hungary takes it out for a walk they say the occasion is saint stephen's day a day dedicated to celebrating the founder of the hungarian nation the founder of believe the Hungarian nation. Believe it or not. That's what they believe. And so curiously, that Saint can't Stephen, be the same Stephen then. I, hey, I how look this he, up and I'm fairly he, certain. How could he have founded the Hungarian nation? Yeah, I don't, that is something I don't I'm know. curious about. But that, that, So that, it says St. Stephen was canonized in, in 1083 as part of the process of sainting. His corpse was exhumed from his crypt. Now, if, if I'm... Hold on, just wait one second. Wait one second. Mm-hmm. Saint Stephen's Day is the same d- thing, right? Okay, hold, hold on. You, you, you're, you're, I think you're confusing so, so, someone else. Uh, There's Steve, Saint so, Stephen of Hungary. I just googled yeah. this. Oh, no, yeah, did yeah, I do that, this wrong? Yeah, I, I, I think I think you you, you right, might, you might actually got, yeah yeah I think you might have gotten this one mixed up because the, the, this was uh, Stephen established the de- the diocese uh, uh the diocese of uh Kalaksa in 1001 AD. Stephen invited foreign priests to Hungary to evangelize his his kingdom. And and that's one what second. the Hungarian nation. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry guys. It's okay. Hey. Stephen the 1st of Hungary. Oh no. But everything you said about St. Stephen's Day, everything you said about St. Stephen's Day, I think is applies to Stephen from the Bible, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, up until that point about the holy right hand. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, okay. that's right. Uh, well, but hold it, on. Is, it is interesting that there is another St. Stephen. It's St. Stephen of Hungary. And he um, was a devout Christian, it says. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's, so there's like the Catholic tradition has a lot of like, it'll be like a shard of like a bone of somebody. So like I went to um, Santa Fe and they have the Basilica of St. Francis there. And they had um, encased in like a giant gold cross. They had yeah. just this tiny little speck. And it said it was a piece of St. Francis's bone. So, Whoa. you know, who knows? Like, yeah, I don't know if, if okay. what they're saying is true about all these, but there's a lot of examples I'm gonna, of that. Well, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to go ahead and make a, make an edit note. I'm sorry, guys. That was my fault. I, so I don't know. One, I mean, this one does not, uh, does not apply. <laughs> But okay, it is I'm interesting. Sorry. It's a very interesting tradition. It's it's called Saint Stephen, and he was a holy saint of their yeah. Catholic Church. Well, here's what's funny: until you said he founded the the Hungarian nation, you were was, like, "What?" That was when I was like, "Wait a minute, that can't be the same." It said mummified holy right fist of thousand year old Saint King. Yes, right, a thousand year old now. And I was like, thousand year old. Wouldn't if it, it were Stephen, it'd be two thousand years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, uh, I'm gonna. All I'm right. making an edit note. Sorry that I goofed up on that. It's okay. Um. So it'll be one a minute, minute twelve through minute one fourteen. One one cool. twelve to one fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on then, yeah. and I will delete the heck out of that. That's my bad. So just talking about like things that aren't in canon, right? But like assumptions you might make about scripture. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if what happened with Stephen had an impact on Paul somehow, because it talks about Saul being there mm. and approving of stuff. I think that the biggest impact that it had on Paul was that Paul probably at that time couldn't see how yeah. much he was. De- de- destroying right. the church but then maybe later in retrospect yeah it's like it's like what happened here if i'm reading acts kind of correctly it almost kind of inspires paul to go on his rampage <laughs> because he sees like the boldness of stephen yeah. and a lot of other people that were um opposing um christ and the gospel mm-hmm. at this time they Either maybe they grew more afraid of what was going to happen or maybe they grew more bold because they're like, ah, these people are like, you know, these people are crazy. Like, we got to get rid of them. They're dangerous, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know. And so they go on a tear after this. And it got so bad that when Paul finally met Jesus, when he shows up to him on the road to Damascus, um, he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? So he becomes yeah. a straight up like persecutor. Um, and I, yes, like, he does. Yeah, it's almost like I get whenever um, I read that part where it says like Paul was there approving of what was happening. I get this like I he's get, the like, one a, who I get a movie yeah. image in my head, you know? Right. And it's like a it's like almost like an origin story kind of thing. <laughs> Well, like, so, so what's, what's, what else is very interesting to me is that if he approved of Stephen's execution, then it sort of turns, it turns those who would have sided with Stephen into enemies as well, which is why the scattering Mm -hmm. happened. And so it was almost as if 
Stephen's pro- proclamation of the scriptures and his standing for truth meant that if you were afraid of dying, you either had to make two choices. You either had to say, yeah, yeah I'm just going to lay low, or you had to be like, no, I believe what Stephen believed, and then possibly die too. Yeah. And so that – I think you were right, Zach. It was on after that. Back. Yeah. yeah. And Paul, and Paul, I think, in that moment is not – Paul yet he's yeah so that's that's right 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 the 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 reason he is stricken with blindness I think has it has a lot of symbolic meaning I mean I almost imagine like Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne like pre-Batman and Batman begins or something and that's that's (laughs) Saul standing there like oh (laughs) we gotta do something about this it's like (laughs) right yeah it's like um and the in the in the fact that he was stricken blind and then he was made to see again, um, kind of lines up with a lot of things. We could we could talk about Paul at some point in yeah. a different episode too. But like the the idea of Paul not being able to understand at that time the impact of all of that, yeah, um, means that like because later he he doesn't flat out say like. Like, oh man, I feel so bad for what I did to Stephen. But he does, yeah. In First Timothy, which we should talk about in a minute, he does go into detail about like what a deacon should be. Yes, and uh, he's he's pretty much describing Stephen. So, should we move so, on to the next little section then? Well, what I mean, if you guys are cool with it, um, yeah. I yeah. just so like yeah. So in First Timothy three, starting in verse eight, and I'll just read this because it's kind of short, but I like. I think that this, I think that this is a good description of what I would consider a like strong disciple, um, maybe called on by, by mm-hmm. the Lord who is um, called for a certain purpose, either to be mm-hmm. an evangelical yeah. person or a, a, a apologist or something like that. Um, but it says qualifications for deacons, uh, starting in verse eight, would be deacons likewise must be dignified. Not double-tongued, things about Stephen. Not addicted to much wine. Not greedy for dishonest gain. Oh, things about Stephen. They must hold the... Well, I don't know if he was addicted to wine. He might have been. Uh, They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. I believe Stephen is to a T that. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Hmm. Stephen was completely blameless. Like he was not only speaking on behalf of God and Jesus, he was so filled with the Holy Spirit that nobody could like really refute anything he was saying. Uh, Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. One of the big mysteries is uh, uh, if Stephen had any kind of family ties. They don't really go into details about that. I, I have to assume that a lot of times in the scriptures, if it is important to mention the family, they are usually mentioned. Right. Um, right. Like uh, there are times says, I can't think of them now, but like the 12 disciples, some of them were married and right. they didn't, they didn't straight up abandon their families to follow Jesus. Mm. They would like, it mentions where they like came back and stuff. Well, like, so, so the one scripture, uh, scriptural evidence we have that might l- lead some to believe that he didn't have a family is verse two of chapter eight of acts where it says, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations it doesn't over him. say like his wife did it. It, yeah. it said like his wife and child did, attended and 
Yeah. It do, but it does say when Jesus died, who was there at his tomb. And, yeah. And so right. we kind of get a, a, a fairly good idea that he probably didn't have any family, but you don't know yeah. for sure. Yeah. But it does say, um, you know, uh, and so reading on First uh, Timothy 3, um, it says, you know, about their wives being dignified and not slanderous. And then it says, let deacons each be the husband of a of one wife. So they can't be managing their wives. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. This is wrong, guys. And that's, that's not OK. Uh, oh, managing their children and their households well mm-hmm. for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in their faith that is in Christ Jesus. So, and I think that he, I think in a lot of ways you could say that um, over time, Paul was sort of saying like, we've seen the model of what a deacon is now. Yeah. And this is kind of what we, we need to strive for that. Yeah. The word deacon itself comes from the Greek Mm -hmm. diakonos. Mm. Um, and that is the word that means servant. So right. That's, what, that's the purpose of a deacon is to serve. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah really? and it's, I thought deacons ruled. Usually oh, oh. <laughs> Shots fired. Listen, um, everybody knows that the best leader is a boss. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says, and nobody should ever say otherwise. You just need to be a, like a, you need to be out for yourself. It does say the lords of the Gentiles um, lord it over them. And you know, it's like <laughs> probably intending to like, hey, be like that. No, I'm just kidding. That's the opposite of what it says. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so here's here's something interesting that uh, um, David Jeremiah talks about in my my David Jeremiah Bible. He says, um, conservative estimates puts the total number of disciples in Jerusalem at that time when Stephen was around at twenty thousand to twenty five thousand. So now that now that I know wow. uh, that number, it makes Stephen very significant. Wow. I feel like. Um. So, I yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I was just going back to that just to kind of like because we were talking about that mm-hmm. before. Um. But yeah. So. The, the thing that's really cool about the way Paul describes deacons is that we do make that connection to Stephen. Like I said, I don't think, I don't think Paul, Paul is writing letters to people. Mm -hmm. Right. And Paul is, is, is using his call from God, not to like reflect on himself, but to, to like try and help the communities to to steer themselves back the way that they should be. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so there's probably no need in the scriptures for him to ever say like, oh, I was such a jerk. I like shouldn't have done this stuff with Steven. But there are times where he does well, lament. Yeah. Well, he says, like, oh, he I says, wish I could die yeah. if it would save you all. And there's one where it says like, um, I'm the least of the apostles for I persecuted the church of Christ. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't think there's a reason for him in writing these letters to these various communities to come out with a specific apology because he didn't really do much to those specific communities. And so, so for example, if he wrote a letter to the church of Jerusalem, I bet it probably would come up with quite a bit more. 
Uh, yeah, but he might mention, yeah, he might yeah. mention Stephen in the context of the the split, but it wouldn't be for him to like clear his conscience. It's yeah, yeah, that, he's that, not. That, that wasn't the purpose of those letters. Right. The purpose of the letters was to guide those individuals, those communities. He, so I'm, I'm I think sure, that's probably why we don't hear yeah. about some of his. Yeah, I'm sure the apologies came stuff. up in in and personal conversations. Yeah, not necessarily yeah. In, in a letter that was going out to a group of yeah. people. Or or just like what I truly believe, Paul was just kind of a jerk. <laughs> he, was, he was a type a type one of the enneagram yeah he was yeah he called out peter and he was um did not mince words um what if yeah. what if oh what if that in that situation paul's like oh you are so high and mighty before and now you're like not hanging out with these people and then peter was like oh yeah well i remember what you did to steven and yeah. paul's just like oh, oh crap. That, that was really low friend <laughs> wow um, that was below the belt yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you I think what, what I take away from this first um, Timothy three and then the story of Stephen, just kind of like looking at it, just imagine like a guy who has all these qualifications, who is actually like really, really smart and pretty much straight up blameless um, and like knows his stuff theologically is able to defend it. And, um, you know, he is of high moral standing. And then somebody comes right. to him and says, Hey, we need you to wait tables. And he says, done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, no, right? I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's now funny he, because he they jumped in they, there without they, hesitation. <laughs> they all elect from among each other too, right? So yeah. it's like they all have like mutual respect for, for like, each oh, other. Let's get Steven to do it. And Steven is like, hey, man, whatever the call, I'm like, yes. I'm ready to do this. And, and as you all pointed out, he's a very learned individual. A lot of people would compare. As you, I mean, th- yeah. his speech is very eloquent. He, he, he is a Pauline style speaker in a lot of ways. Now, now, right. now, I'm sure those who study the language might say, well, actually, he's a little bit more of this, uses this rhetoric. The point uh, is, is that he's a very educated, learned man. He could be yeah. teaching and preaching. And yet his, his primary calling, which he does right here at the end, but mm-hmm. his main calling, what put him in this position, and the reason why he's remembered is because he first answered the call to wait tables. Yep. Yes. So um, we mentioned Stephen, I think, for a different – like we actually talked about Stephen for almost a completely different reason once mm-hmm. in another episode. We talked about how he was willing to be a servant. Yeah. Um, and he was – he, he and, and at the time – there were there were other positions that seemed more uh, seem more important to the church, but he mm-hmm. was willing to take the lower yeah. position. He could have been one of the people dedicated to like studying the word and coming up with and, teaching. Right, you know, he could have been right. the one from the platform, like discerning the scripture and stuff, because clearly he has the skill to do it. But mm-hmm. when he was called upon to wait tables, he said, "Sure, I'll do it." And what I and, think is crazy and, about that is. He was chosen to serve, mm. but he was tested like in his ability to like stand firm and like be an apologist. That's, right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then uh, I can't Which, say enough about the significance of this fact. And that is that he literally sees God and Jesus in heaven. Yes. <laughs> and so like That's amazing again. And I mean, Can you, you imagine you, that like, <laughs> And, and it didn't, it didn't hurt him or anything. Like he knew it was his time. Like, I mean, he was just like, I like, and at that, well, another thing too, Bob, you mentioned this, like the, the style of his, 
of his speech and very and, and eloquent, very, very, yeah. very educated, very rhetoric. Um, so, so it's weird because at different times I see very much like sermon, like Jesus, like mm-hmm. Jesus style sermon style oh, sure, absolutely. and the way that he references scripture. I, sure. I see by the way he accounts for the old Testament that it, he feels like a, one of the minor prophets and the way that they're kind of yeah. uh, some of the minor prophets calling out the Israelites or the, mm-hmm. the people of Judah Absolutely. to return to God. Um, I love and it then, when scripture like interprets itself. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening here is like it's recapping things that happened in scripture and kind of being like, hey, remember, um, you know, remember this and remember that the point was this. <laughs> hey, hey. You remember Moses? Uh, who remembers Moses? Oh, yeah. I, I'd see a few people in the crowd. Oh, yeah. I remember Moses? Well, what about Elijah? Huh? Remember Elijah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a stand-up comedian just like references other people. No, but so I was going to say, but so he had, I, in my opinion, he kind of has like a, a an old, like kind of Old Testament prophet style. Yeah. At times he has a Jesus sermon style at times and at other times like you said bobby he's, he's kind of has like a, a very uh new kind of like paul style of of uh of forming um his conclusions too because paul often makes reference to the to the the israelites oh, of, of old yeah. when he's oh, making yeah. his points he's like oh and, and wasn't it true that this was like this back in yeah. the day well now i'm telling you it's like this and so um it's funny because what they accuse him of later, I I I spent a lot of time reading that. I don't know if you guys felt felt that way, uh, like I did. Um, so because uh, we're just we're talking about impacts, right? Like yeah. the, we're now at the end talking about like the impact that he had on the church. So one of the things I think is interesting, which we haven't really we haven't done an episode quite on this, or maybe fully fleshing this out. We we uh-huh. we did an episode called is uh what do we say we had an episode on the sabbath day because it's an old it's an old uh covenant kind of thing Uh and is it okay to keep the sabbath day holy still and all of that um but one of the things they accuse him of which i wonder if this is based in some truth like the way they're interpreting it but he said this man never ceases to speak words against the holy spirit and the law for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, and here is the important thing, and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So what that sounded like when I reread that is like the new covenant. Like, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? That like Jesus sort of like comes in and says, yeah. and the it old acts, law of Moses yeah. was this way, and that and, old covenant was that yeah. way. In Acts, they do have to wrestle with that. And even Mm -hmm. Jesus tells Peter in a vision, you know, to change for the Gentiles coming in the rules about their diet. Right. He says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Uh, So all (laughs) these, like, I'm imagining, like, crabs and stuff (laughs) that you shouldn't be eating. Crabs and pigs and (laughs) And what's funny is that when Stephen starts addressing people in response, he doesn't really discuss any of those types of things because I believe at that point he knows like the Holy Spirit's taking over and saying like, these people need to hear this before my time comes. But like, I mean, I feel very strongly that he could have refuted all of this and said, like, I almost imagine Stephen, if like, he's just having a talk with someone, they're like, what? 
you're trying to say that the law isn't like a thing anymore and that Jesus like changed everything. That's blasphemous. And Stephen's like, yeah, that is what's happening. And it's not blasphemous. Yeah. Tell <laughs> me I'm wrong. <laughs> say I'm wrong. I'm full of Holy spirit, man. Yeah. Better watch Paul what you say. explains it really good in Galatians too, where he talks about the law was pretty much just there to like show you your sin. <laughs> it can't yeah. save you. It can only condemn you. That's right. And so you need grace to be saved. And so um, ultimately, I think that Stephen kind of sets in stone, like you guys said, the, the first big spreading of the church mm-hmm. yeah. where where the, the apostles and the, the disciples are scattered in a way that is very like good for the for the early church. Yeah. Um, but also, he, I believe Stephen wholeheartedly in, a, in very many ways represented Christ, not only through what he said, but how he died and, yeah. and what. And, and kind of the situation surrounding that and that I feel like kind of connects a lot of dots throughout the scripture where we're seeing very similar themes kind of like outlined and how Jesus like what Jesus impact is because we we see like Jesus Jesus references this too but other people reference Jonah and point to Jesus and make mm-hmm. that connection saying mm-hmm. like Jonah uh, was in the whale for three days and, and, um, Oh yeah. A lot of the, and I actually kind of rail against that. I'm like, well, I don't know. Cause Jonah, well, like, Jonah. Yeah. So Jonah failed where Jesus succeeded. Yes. That's, but, well, right. And so right, that's right. why they make that but reference. Jonah a lot was to like prophet of the Lord who went yeah. and did preach and did convert the people of Israel. He was just that's angry right. about it. <laughs> right yeah he just didn't he, like to do he, he did what god he eventually did what god called him to do yeah. but he was angry that the yeah. result of what the result he hated were. the people that were his and enemies it could not overcome yeah. it yeah yep. yeah and so and and so like i think it's matthew twelve forty that says for just as jonah was in the belly of the sea monster for three days and three nights the son of man will also be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights mm-hmm. and i think um in in Luke, I think he says something too. He says something like, um, uh, uh, "Where's that?" It says in Luke a different. There's like a different thing he says for just as Jonah. Hold on one second. It's Luke eleven thirty. I'm gonna look this up really quick because I want to make my my final point here. Um, it says Luke 11. All right. It says here, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but uh, no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Hmm. Whereas Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh. So will the son of man be to this generation? Um, and so, what I, what I was, the point I was getting to about Stephen is I, I wonder how much, and it doesn't, it doesn't say, so again, this is speculation on my part, but I wonder how much Stephen's martyrdom, like supercharged those who believe that Christ oh, yeah. was significant. Yeah. Oh, wow. it's, it's an inspiration. Well, yeah. It, it, and that always happens. We see that time and time again. Mm-hmm. Even in the modern mm-hmm. day where absolutely. Yeah. Right. People you, you, die for the faith. You're like, that means something. Yes. It, and you, so, you, you tend to find right. that that spurs on 
the growth of the gospel more than anything else is watching someone boldly stand and and, and die for what they for, die for their faith and thus inspire a new group of people yeah. saying yeah. that man was living like Christ. I've got to have the same level of courage to stand up for the gospel that same way. So the yeah. ultimate, the meanest thing that the enemy can do actually taking someone's life for um, their belief in Jesus is also the most powerful thing for the spread of the gospel. Right. You know, and it's, it goes back to that, um, goes back to what it says in Genesis towards the end where it says what God and what, uh, you had intended for evil, God intended for good. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because, um, the one, the one thing about his like relics, which is why it kind of led me to something else. And on the Wikipedia page, it actually does say a priest named Lucian uh, purportedly had a dream that revealed the location of Stephen's remains. And so it became this like kind of quest to find Stephen and Mm. like, uh, like, like pick him up and like take his body and all this stuff, which I, which I find very interesting because they, I guess they sort of, um, they considered him such a godly man. Um, sure, sure, absolutely. That, they, that 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 impacted the 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 Catholic Church. Um, so they like people were constantly trying to like find out more about him and his like yeah body and stuff, which is funny. But um, that is that's a little bit beyond the scope of what we're going to be talking about. But um, I just uh, th- those are all impacts of just this yeah. one small yep. portion of the Bible. Uh, and this this man who I believe was called by God, uh, who was filled with the Holy Spirit and was chosen to to glorify God through that and spread the church. And because of that, he is a definitely an awesome biblical character that we should yeah. we should re- uh, remember and respect. Yeah, buddy. He set the standard for anyone who's called to be a servant, and then he also set the standard for. Just standing up for the faith, even when you know it could cost you your, your life. Boom. There you go. Well, gentlemen, this was a fun episode. This was good. Um, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, I will say oh, yeah. we should continue the ball rolling. I, I like the uh, the structure of this. Yeah. If you guys, mm-hmm. for everybody listening, we, we did put out a poll, a voting poll, but Facebook's been kind of weird about the way polls show up on people's feed and stuff. So. Um, we would love to hear your feedback and you could give us some details on who yeah. you, who you guys want us to talk about next. Yeah, give us requests. Um, That'd be awesome. Uh, the, this is kind of the sweet spot. Somebody like Steven, somebody who we don't really know as much about, but we'd love to learn more yeah, about. I think um, I, I had yeah. some different um, Bible characters that I had done some work on already just for different right. classes and things. Um, but I'm thinking now that like somebody like Abraham, there's almost like we know too much. We've heard too well, much Abraham's, about him. Abraham's interesting if you if you understand uh, 
like our structure and like who yeah. he who he was in his position. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, I almost feel like somebody somebody who's got like a whole chapter dedicated to them, but then isn't mm. might be even better. I don't know. The Centurion in Matthew, he's my favorite, but he gets literally like four sentences. Yeah, we would have no biographical information. <laughs> We, he was we, a century to speculate. He a lot. had servants. <laughs> he was played by Russell Crowe. <laughs> Spaniard. He, he, he refused to wear any other haircut except for a uh, short cropped hair with a uh, slightly long uh, bangs in the front. The Roman he said, ball cut. <laughs> the Roman and they ball built track. an entire story around him being just like a jacked fighter. And then yeah. Jesus just shows up near the end. He's like, I've been fighting this whole movie. Now it's time for me to sit down and tell you, Jesus, that uh, my servant's sick. And then that that scene's over, and he just goes back to fighting people. Oh, still, the story I of the century. Still love Gladiator. I don't care what certain friends of ours say. I like Gladiator <laughs> too. I do think that I do think that Ben Hur is the better Gladiator, but I don't okay. think that that means that Gladiator is bad. That's fair. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for uh, checking us out, and please continue to look. Uh, for our new episodes please comment Um, please check out our Patreon if you want to support us and we will catch you next time peace